Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. You can open your Bibles to Genesis 22. Uh, and while you're turning there, uh, how many were here last Sunday when Pastor Stephen started this behind the scenes series? Okay, a few of us. If you, in case you weren't here, um, he was letting us know that, you know, in our life, there are two sides to the reality that we're living in. One is very visible. Um, you know, we eat food, we get dressed, we tune our instruments, uh, we take care of our kids, make sure they all have baths and everything. It's very normal, natural life. And there's another side that is uh, supernatural, unseen, invisible, but it's just as real. Um, and in the Bible, the place where these two realities meet was the temple or the tabernacle. It was the place of worship where heaven and earth would meet. Uh, and so we're gonna talk about that this morning, worship. And I'm excited. Did I say that already? I'm excited. <laughs> so uh, Genesis 22, we're gonna read a whole chunk of scripture right here. Don't get thrown off, it's in the old King James. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. So we're gonna read a little bit. This is gonna be great. Are you ready? Yeah. Buckle up, here we go. Genesis 22. Uh, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham or test or try Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. So he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Yikes, right? Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his... Ooh, almost got gotcha. you. King James. Dude, guys, this is church. Come on. <laughs> Took two of his young men with him. Isaac, his son, claved the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, went to the place which God told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place far off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide here with the donkey mule. There we go. Someone's getting creative. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac, his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife. They both went together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, said, my father, and Abraham says again, here I am. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You can understand his confusion, right? <laughs> Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them together. They came to the place God had told him of. Abraham built an altar, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, don't touch the boy. Don't do anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God 
seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went, took the ram, offered him for the burnt offering instead of his son. And verse 14, we made it. Woo, Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said, to this day in the mount of the Lord, it will be seen. Wow. This is amazing. This is the first time in our Bibles that we see this word worship. Worship happened before this, but this is the first time that it's introduced to us like this. And uh, what an amazing context that God would throw this word at us. It's wild. So we're going to talk about it a little bit today. Uh, we are going to go through three points, and I'll just give them to you up front in case you're taking notes, just maybe to kind of help you follow along. We're going to talk about worship. We'll define it. Uh, we will talk about the roots of worship, what it's founded in, what it's based in, and we'll talk about the fruits of worship. We'll define it, roots of worship, fruits of worship. Three-point message, easy to follow. Can't lose, right? Okay, so here we go. Um, this is a wild story. Like, every time I read this, I think, God, please don't ask me for this. Like, I would fail this test. There's no way, right? But worship, worship is different, right? We're going to throw a definition up here on the board. This is from David Peterson. He says that worship is an engagement with God on the terms that he proposes and in the way that he alone makes possible. Worship is an engagement with God on the terms that he proposes and in the way that he alone makes possible. Worship is engaging with God on his terms. And we see that right from the get-go here in Genesis 22. That God is engaging Abraham. He's calling out to him. He's asking him for something. He's saying, Abraham, come on, trust me, believe me, let's do this together. And Abraham, and I, I'll never forget, I was in Bible school and one of our teachers was teaching through this passage and he said, um, God is asking Abraham for something here. He says, give me Isaac. And Abraham can say no, right? But if he says no, he goes to bed that night. He wakes up the next morning and he's got his devotions out. You know, he's got his cup of coffee sitting out there. He's doing his devotions. He's saying, God, like, what would you have for me today? Is there something that you want to tell me today? And God would say, what? Give me Isaac, right? Abraham goes, oh, what a word. Oh, okay, great, yeah. You know, goes about his day, right? Goes to bed, wakes up the next morning, pour over a cup of coffee, nice cup of coffee, sitting out on his porch, got his devotion. He's maybe got a pencil he's ready to write down, some rhema, some word from God, right? God, what do you have for me? God says, Abraham, give me Isaac. Oh, wow, what a word. Thank you, God. Writes it down in his Bible, right? Next day, he's at his devotions again. Oh, Lord, thank you. What an amazing day. Sun is shining. What do you have? God, speak to me. I'm ready to hear you. What's he gonna say? Right? Give me Isaac. Because worship is engaging with God on his terms. Abraham doesn't get to dictate the terms of his surrender. It's just surrender, right? Give me Isaac. And what does Abraham say three times in this chapter? We read it. Here am I, here am I, here am I. I am available, 
God, I'm available. And only when Abraham engages God on his terms does he see God's amazing provision for him, right? This place was called Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Jireh. And it says, even till this day, right? Like Mount Moriah's name was changed because Abraham engaged with God on his terms, Abraham's life was changed. Abraham's destiny was changed. I mean, we are sitting here because Abraham engages with God on his terms. A place was completely renamed. Like how, I mean, you know, we all have past. A lot of us have maybe church hurt in our past or relationship hurt or whatever kind of hurt in our past. But those things can be renamed. And that is for real. You know, uh, my dad, um, my dad was born Orthodox Jew. My grandfather on that side was an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. Um, and I love like getting to, getting to read and listen to what, what, you know, how they read the scriptures and everything. And there is this, uh, there's this commentary um, that says that God created seven things before he created the, the world. And one of them was repentance. Because repentance is so uh, absolute and so drastic and how it cleanses us that after God puts the natural laws into effect, he never could have made repentance. It wouldn't have fit here. He had to do it beforehand because repentance is when I come to God and we would say, based on the blood of Jesus Christ and say like, God, here I am. Here is my past. Here is my present. Here is my future. Here is my whole life. Cleanse me, change me, transform me, do something. You have to do something because I am not enough. The Bible says, and these Jewish commentaries say that you are a new, you are a totally different person, right? It's like somebody would come to me and say, you have this in your past, Zach, right? And they're trying to hold it against me. Like, well, that wasn't me. Like, that was Zach. You can't even, you can't even talk to me like that. It's a totally different person, Right? This is engaging with God on his terms and he comes and he wipes the slate clean and he says, you are a new creation and this is the reality. Regardless of what it looks like or what it feels like, you are a completely new person and this is what Paul says in Romans chapter seven and it's confusing to us. Like the, the, it's not me. If I sin, it's not me, but the sin that dwells in me. No, 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 it was you. Nope. I went to God. I engaged with him on his terms and based upon who he is and what he has done for us, I am a new person. And even if you go back to that sin, the Jewish scholars say, it's not you going back to that sin. It's a new person doing a new sin that you have to go to Christ in a new way and say, God, cleanse me again. And you know what he does? He doesn't go, oh, come on, I already did this. What's going on? He doesn't say that. He says, clean, right? Engaging with God on his terms and Mount Moriah is forever transformed into Yahweh Jireh. God sees exactly where you are, exactly what you're going through, and he provides every time. He doesn't hold it against you, right? There is no past with God. It's all present. Right now, engage with me. Give me Isaac. And what do we say? Here am I, right? Abraham is engaging with God on his terms. You remember um, John chapter four, Jesus with the woman at the well? Remember that story, right? She says, uh, what do you, like, we, we shouldn't even be talking. Like, I'm a, I'm a woman, you're a man, in that time, 
you, you know, we shouldn't be talking. I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. We should not be having this conversation. It should not even be, this situation should not even be happening. And what does Jesus say? The Father is seeking you to worship him. God wants you to engage with him. Yeah, but like Chad was saying, like, I gotta, I gotta, mm, I gotta, mm, right? And, and Jesus is saying like, nope, nope. You engage with me on my terms. Just, just obey, just do it, just trust me, come on. Like, could you believe me for this? And what do we have to say? Like, yeah, right? And Mount Moriah is forever transformed. Like, that's incredible, you know? And so here's this, right? Okay, anybody watch The Chosen? Any Chosen people out there? Right, okay. So you, remember, you know this scene where Creepy John and, uh, and Jesus, like they're cousins, right? So they're hanging out together and, and it's in the Bible too, in case you're wondering, right? So I think it's Matthew 11 and John is in, he's in prison in, in Matthew 11, but there's this scene in The Chosen where they're sitting together and they're talking and, and John is saying like, you know, when are you gonna, when are you gonna get moving? Like I believe who you are, but you know, when are you gonna get moving? It's almost like Jesus is not in a rush to make anything happen, you know? He's not pressured. He's not intimidated. He's not in a rush. He's just like hanging out with kids, playing, kicking the ball around, right? The disciples are trying to do things and make things happen, and Jesus is just kind of enjoying being with us. He just enjoys sitting with us, having a meal with us, looking across the table, listening to us, talking to us. He enjoys us, you know. He loves us. He is with us. He's not pressured. He's not intimidated. His plan will be accomplished in our lives. Mount Moriah will become Yahweh Jireh in our lives. It's gonna happen. And he wants us to sit at the table with him. He wants us to engage with him. And that is why the second part of our definition there, engaging with God on his terms and in the way that he alone makes possible. This is our second point. What is the basis of our worship? What is our worship rooted and grounded in? When we're sitting at that table with the Lord, like what is that? How how did that even happen, right? So this is point two, and this is so important. Our worship is not based in something we are doing for God to get something from him, to gain his approval, his love, his favor. Worship is not an activity that we engage in so that God will have favor on us and work in our lives. Worship is an overflow of enjoying his presence and loving what he has done for us. Watchman Nee says that God wants to be the giver and the doer forever. He says that Christianity is not a do, it is a done, right? And that's the truth. What is our worship rooted and grounded in? It is rooted and grounded in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We're gonna put, I'm gonna put another quote up here and I want you to look at this. It's a little bit longer, but this is amazing. It says that redemption, I don't know the whole thing. (laughs) Oh, it's back there, okay. Redemption is the means and worship is the goal. Redemption is the means, worship is the goal. I'm gonna read it for you. In one sense, worship is the whole point of everything. It is the purpose of history, the goal of the whole Christian story. Worship is not one segment of the Christian life among others. 
Worship is the entire Christian life seen as a priestly offering to God. And when we meet together as a church, our time of worship is not merely a preliminary to something else. It is the whole point of our existence as the body of Christ. Right? Like worship isn't playing a guitar. Worship isn't raising your hands on a Sunday morning. Right? Worship is the whole point of the Christian life. It's everything. It's everything. It's you going to work tomorrow morning. It's you raising your kids for 18 years and then kicking them out of the house, hoping you did a good job. Worship is you uh, having a clear and open communication with your wife worship or husband. Worship is you engaging with God on his terms in all of life. And how did that happen? Redemption was the means Worship was the goal. God always wanted engagement, worshipers, relationship, connection with us. That is what he was after, right? It's what he's after today. If you have never put your, put your trust in Christ, if you have never crossed the line of faith and stepped over it and said, God, I give you my life, that's, that's number one, right? That's engaging with God on his terms. And how could that even happen, Right? except that God would provide a way for that to happen. And he did it. Redemption. He paid everything. He said, come on, I want you so bad, I'm gonna come after you all the way. There's two, uh, in the New Testament, there's, there's two words for, um, I don't know if it's reconciliation. Uh, one idea is that each party comes halfway. You meet halfway, right? But that's not the word that Paul uses in the New Testament. The word that he uses is one party going all the way. That he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could be made the righteousness of God in him, you know. And sure, worship is activity and doing things. In the, in the Bible, uh, you know, it talks about the priests and the Levites, what they were doing in the tabernacle, in the temple. It was work. They had to pack up stuff and unpack stuff. Does that sound familiar, guys? Uh, they had to do that. They had to bake bread. They had to uh, make sure everything was done in a certain order. It was work. There was things that they had to do. Uh, and then another word, another um, idea, concept of worship in the Bible is one of a physical posture of bowing my head or being flat out on the ground, a physical posture of uh, respect towards someone who is greater than I am. And it's, it's something that you have to do, right? Okay, you, can, you believe in your heart, you are justified. But there is some deliverance that happens when you confess it with your mouth. You know, have you ever noticed you're here in church sometimes and you just say like, you know, I'm not really a hands guy, right? I'm not really a singer per se. Like, and, I, and this is me, like I'm saying for me, like I'm not a hands raised guy and I'm not, I don't even think of myself as a singer. Like I, my instrument is the bass. I would love to be in the background and just kind of hang out back there, right? But there is something when you, when you engage with the world around you, right? You just say, you know, yeah, God, like, come on. You know, I'm not really a talker, but I'm married now, so I need to converse. <laughs> I'm not really a, an emoter, but like I'm married and I have a family and they kind of want to know, like, you know, do you love us? Like what's going on, right? You know, so, you know, okay, but it's all in my heart. That's great, you know, but engage, engage with life, engage with the world around you and on the terms that God is, is uh, you know, dictating and in the way that God is providing for you, you know, so, Worship, engaging with God on his terms in the way that he has provided. 
And what is, that, what is that rooted in but the finished work of Jesus Christ? It couldn't be rooted in anything else. It would not work, you know. All right, point number three. We'll wrap up here in a minute. Point number three, the fruits of worship. What does worship look like? What can worship look like? And I'm just gonna give you three this morning. Three fruits of worship. Number one, occupation with Christ. All right, they're all three. No, don't look at the other two yet. No, I'm just kidding. All right, occupation with Christ. Number one, you know, what does it look like when we uh, worship? Um, Jesus Christ is the big deal. He is a big deal. What was that last song we sang? What was that called? Jesus, you alone, right? You, Christ is all and in all, Colossians 3. This is so important, Right? I mean, we have programs and we have plans and like I asked these guys to come up and like, so we talked about what song are we gonna do at the end? Like there's all of that. There's a lot that goes into planting a church as Pastor Stephen says, you know. But Christ is the point, right? He is why we're here. We want him to speak to us. His loving kindness is better than life. You know, I love this about the Old Testament. We read that um, Deuteronomy chapter six and seven, uh, Moses is saying to the nation, I want you to talk to your children about it. I want you to think about the Bible. I want you to talk to them while you're walking, while you're sitting down at dinner. I want you to talk to them about it on their way to school. I want you to talk to them about it. And how could they do this, right? But their nation was littered with these piles of stones, like we read here in Genesis 22, where God would do something and they would stack up stones there, right? And why would they do that? What was the point of that? It was to remember. Remembrance was a huge part of their worship. They would remember. They could walk around their nation and say, oh, hey, what's that pile of stones over there? Oh yeah, that's when God parted the Jordan River and he gave us this land. He gave it to us. Well, what's that one up over there on that mountain? Is that Mount Moriah? Not anymore. That's Mount uh, God sees and provides. This is a great part of our, of our life that we begin to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, the psalm says. That means like now, not one day when we die and we're with the Lord, we'll see the goodness of God. Right now in the land of the living, we can see Jesus all over the place, all over the place. Number two, fruit of worship is we prefer others. We prefer others. My dad said this, you know, a long time ago, and I'll, I'll never forget it. People are always more important than what they do. People are always more important than what they do. Like when Chad joined the worship team, I was like, sweet, electric guitar, singer, like this guy knows what he's doing, but he is more important than that, right? I mean, you know, like I said before, like we all, maybe most of us have like some type of church hurt in our past. Someone did something, said something or whatever, right? But people are more important than what they do, right? Church life is messy because people are involved with it, right? I mean, you know, you're a farmer and you wanna get your fields plowed, you gotta have an animal to do it, but you know what that's gonna do in the barn? Right? Proverbs 14, it's gonna happen, you know? And someone's gotta clean it up. But you know who that someone is, right? We're not about correcting people's flesh. We're not about 
you know, behavior modification. You know, life is not about good, bad, right, and wrong. Life is about humility and the presence of God. And I know we talk to our kids and we say, hey, oh, you know, right, sure. But that's only because when they grow up and they encounter humility and they encounter the goodness of God, they go, oh, I've met that before, right? I know that sound. I've heard that before. Humility. Others, right? Just love people. You're going to get offended. They're going to do something stupid. You're going to do something stupid. Just love each other, right? Wash their feet. Great peace have they that love the law of God. Nothing will offend them. Psalm 119, 165. Like, can I be offended? Is there something that the, that the devil knows that someone will do and say to me? And I'll just go, oh, you got to be kidding me, right? What do I need? I need a little worship in my life because that's where forgiveness comes from. That's where joy comes from. That's where long suffering comes from. Hey, we got this problem. We got to deal with this. Okay, let's talk about it in five years. Yikes. No, 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 We got to deal with this now. We got to, mm. Let's talk about it in five years. Long suffering. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, right? But you get the point? Preferring others. Point number three, and this is where, you know, this is amazing. Fruit of worship is more worship. Once you start seeing God in your life, you start to see him everywhere. Once you start engaging with God on his terms, you start engaging with him on his terms all over the place, right? And it's amazing how that happens, you know. More worship. You start to treasure the presence of God. You start to look for it, you know. You get into a mess with somebody or you see something, you see this, you hear that or whatever. You start to think, all right, God, like what do you have here? What do you have for this person or for me in this situation, right? So I ask these guys to come back up and we'll just sing a little bit more. And don't be afraid to stand up or sit down or open your Bible or put your hands up or whatever it looks like for you but just in your heart to have this, like, God, what do you have for me right now? What do you have for my family? What do you have for me at work? What do you have for me in this situation? How are you going to turn Mount Moriah into the Lord sees and provides? I would love to see that, God. You know, I trust you for it. So uh, right now, would you close your eyes, bow your heads, we're just gonna pray together. Uh, if you are here this morning and you have never put your trust in Jesus. You have never engaged with him in that preliminary step, just stepping over the line of faith saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. You can do that right now. Just say, Lord, I give you my life. Lord, I give you my life. And if that's you, I just want to pray with you. You can put your hand up real quick and put it back down if that's you. We just want to pray with you. Lord, I give you my life. for the rest of us here this morning, God, we just, we are seeking you. We are after your heart. And even if we're not, we know that you are coming after us. We know that you are seeking us. We love you because you first loved us. We're coming after you because you made the way to come after you. 
Yes, God, stir our hearts. Put the wonder back in our hearts. Yes, Lord, stir us up, quicken us, minister to us. Great peace, love for your voice, for your word. Yes, God, we love you. We love you. We thank you this morning. We worship you. We praise you. Yes, God. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, why don't you stand with us? We'll sing a little bit more this morning.